At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 629th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolutions. This is a special episode of the Farmer Friday podcast. With Bayer's announcement to pull a popular weed killer from store shelves, we asked a previous guest to come back and talk about this monumental news story. To understand more, we're talking with returning guest Jeffrey Smith about the wrap-up of Roundup. Welcome, Jeffrey. Thanks for coming back and talking with me about this. It's a great occasion to do so. Happy to. Yeah, very good. So, you know, there's a thousand things that went through my head when this happened. First thing was, oh my gosh, did this really just happen? And I got chills all the way down to my toes. And then my second thought was, oh my gosh, I wonder what Jeffrey would say. So I'm going to turn the mic over to you. And what does Jeffrey say about this? All right. So let's first of all give you give everyone the context. There's been lawsuits going on against Bayer, which bought Monsanto, for people with non-Hodgkin lymphoma who claim that Roundup caused their disease. They've already lost three trials. One is going, a fourth trial has actually started already. It's underway. The other three trials, it's been a big gap between those three trials and this current one, but the jury is awarded huge sums, particularly because of punitive damages. Mm. Now, the Bayer representatives have been in touch with lawyers that represent, well, maybe 125, 150,000 plaintiffs. And they originally offered about $11 billion, $11.5 billion for settlements for them to go away. But then they offered a $2 billion-ish settlement that was going to preempt all future lawsuits Mm. and eliminate substantial payments to people, the judge completely threw it out. It was basically designed by Monsanto and some attorneys that weren't really, well, let me just say it was, it wasn't effective for giving justice. And so then Bayer did a couple of things. They put 4.6 billion more dollars into the pot for future litigations, totaling about 16 billion. And they said, because they can't limit future lawsuits, they're going to cut Roundup out of the gardener and lawn market, meaning the general consumer market, by 2023. Not the professional market, not the agricultural market, but basically you you won't be able to get it at at hardware stores. Now, some of the hardware stores are already banning it because of its links to cancer. So this is a, it's an interesting strategic move. They say it's not a declaration that their product is unsafe. 
However, the documents made public because of the lawsuit showed that they knew it was unsafe for decades, and they continue to hide that. Anyone like me that has been following the lawsuits realizes that virtually everyone at the top of Monsanto knew that there were problems or that there were very serious problems that they would find had they done the right tests, and they decided not to do those tests because they didn't want to know the truth. All of that came out in the trial, and yet when they are making statements to the press, they claim that the that the decision by the jury was emotional and non-scientific and that the science is behind them, whereas even the scientists who were on the jury could tell you, no, actually, it was checkbook science being produced by Monsanto, not real science. Anyway, so what they're doing is they're pulling Roundup off the market, claiming it's just to protect against lawsuits, and they're only putting it in the United States and only to the homeowner market. So that's that's the situation as it stands, and we can go into more details as to what the real reasons are and what the strategy should be and what the impacts will be. Wow. Well, what, I, what my experience with the homeowner market is, is that they're less trained and they might abuse it more. Is that, could that be the case? Well, first of all, there's a lot of incriminating evidence about Monsanto's disregard for the safety of the homeowners. In their own studies, they determined that using Roundup required for safety, gloves, proper gear, boots, you know, not quite uh, full hazmat, but, right. but goggles, etc. So they, they actually had internal memos saying to their own people that they needed to wear these things when handling Roundup. But the advertisements for the general public showed people in tank tops and shorts. Oh my gosh. With kids running around, maybe even barefoot. I don't know. But it was completely egregious where on their own, they were telling people, make sure it's, it's protected, wear this, this, and this. And in their advertisements, it was basically saying, you don't have to worry at all. The concentrations used for the home market is pretty high. You're going to end up with more likelihood of plaintiffs from people who are homeowners, possibly. The people who are using it for agriculture and professional applicators um, are supposed to know more about the means and ways of putting it on there. Even though the first lawsuit was done, was won by a groundskeeper at Benicia School System. Mm -hmm. He was a professional and he had contacted Monsanto or their customer service group twice asking if it was possible that applying Roundup could have caused his non his lymphoma and then later it was it was non Hodgkin's lymphoma and then it was a terminal a terminal case. They the first time they said absolutely no, no problem. And the second time they refused to respond to him. And that he he actually contacted Monsanto two weeks after the International Agency for Research on Cancer, a WHO group, determined that glyphosate was a probable human carcinogen. So it was clear that they did not want to tell this user of Roundup what the highest authority in the world had said about it. Yeah. And so they'd never returned his call, even though he said, I continue to spray it, and yet I have this very serious non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Is it at all possibly related? So again, another egregious move by Monsanto. Yeah. And what do you see the long-term impact of this? I mean, the short-term impact for me was jaw-dropping, but what's the long-term impact going to be? Well, it's interesting. The, 
I'm going to be, I just spoke with Chuck Benbrook today. He and others are doing the Heartland study, which is incriminating pesticides in a big way uh, with some solutions. You see, I think that right now, if you look at the impact of pesticides of all types, herbicides, insecticides, etc., it's devastating for human health. Yeah. It's devastating for the the percentages of the population that have significant diseases. It's also devastating for the next generation because some of these effects can last multiple generations. Uh, I interviewed Dr. Skinner who basically found that the he injected Roundup into pregnant mice and the great-grandchildren suffered more than the grandchildren or children because of the epigenetic effects. So that information is getting out. Then the impact on bees and on insects in general and even on in the waterways. So I think what's happening is we're approaching an informational tipping point. Now, unfortunately, not a lot of money has been used uh, and spent on alternatives to pesticide demonstrating it's, uh, that it's actually better for plants, better for nutrition, etc. There's certainly studies out there. Regenerative agriculture is showing much higher outcomes than pesticide-intensive agriculture. The Rodale Institute showed that organic agriculture can yield just as much in soy and corn as chemical agriculture, and it actually requires less inputs and does better in times of drought. So there's that information. But as the regenerative movement starts to gain ground, and it is, it's now popular in Congress, it's popular in the climate change groups, as they start to see that you can actually sequester carbon and create healthy crops and ecosystems without pesticides, and you realize how bad the pesticides are, it is possible that we're going to see wholesale rejections of pesticides in a way we haven't seen before, in the same way that, you know, all of a sudden there was tobacco in the news, or there was DDT in the news, or there was different things. And so it's not, it hasn't coalesced yet. It's still like dropping drops of solution into an amorphous field of consciousness. (laughs) Right. But I do think that the Roundup demise is that people are going to say, well, I've always wanted to use Roundup. It's certainly the most popular herbicide in the planet, certainly the most popular among American consumers. They're going to say, well, what should I use? The fact that they're now in a gap, or there will be in 2023, when Roundup gets taken off the market, means that they're now open to getting new information. So I think that that's the perfect time in late 2022, next year, to get information about non-glyphosate alternatives. Yeah. Now, I just, I just got a notice today by email of a group that was successful in yet another city where they convinced the city to stop using Roundup and pesticides in general. They have, they have pesticide people that deal with steam machines and other, other non-toxic methods. And when they convert towns, convert to non-toxic lawn care, the lawns look a lot better. They use less water. They actually have better soil, and they end up, depending on how they switch, they can spend the same amount or less. Now, that information has to get out, but right now the U.S. government is marching lockstep with big ag, as they have for decades, so we're hoping that the information gets out through other channels, 
in the meantime, like through you, so that people realize there are alternative alternatives to pesticides at home, alternatives to pesticides and for, for agriculture and for professional use. And that is my hope, that it's not just the dismantling of Roundup, which is great news. We need to further educate about healthy alternatives. Yeah, and we have, I have multiple podcast guests coming up over the next three or four months talking about bugs and their benefits and, you know, healthy ecosystems. So we're on that, Jeffrey. Beautiful. So my, my appeal then is that it's possible if you could create some sort of campaign to awaken American gardeners and lawn and those that have lawns to alternatives and ask for people to commit to participate in that campaign by posting the alternatives along with whatever harms they are discovered. So as pesticides are linked to hormonal problems and this thing and that thing and cancer, that there's alternatives always inserted in the same social posts and that people can be referred back to your campaign and back because you're a big thinker, you're a huge thinker. And so I would say, let's recruit large numbers of people to be on board and let's hit the tipping point so that it becomes a popular thing and then an obvious thing not to use these chemicals around your family, around your life, on your home at all. Yeah. And Janice, are you listening? <laughs> that's a that's a huge what if there. So let's get on it. Beautiful. So you've mentioned some diseases that are connected with Roundup and other sides, pesticides, herbicides. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm more familiar with Roundup since my main focus has been on GMOs and most GMOs are Roundup ready. Uh-huh. You spray Roundup on the crops and they don't die. And by the way, Roundup is also sprayed on other non-GMO crops mm. just before harvest. They do kill the crops. They dry them down first, causing rapid ripening of grains, for example. So it's sprayed on oats and wheat and the legumes and beans and things like that. So in terms of Roundup, Roundup is so damaging to the foundations of our health. It can block the absorb absorption or use of, of minerals. It can cause leaky gut. It can damage the microbiome, the mitochondria, cause DNA mutations, lead to cancer. It's got so many things that it's, that it, damages the neurotransmitters, the hormones, the intercellular communication, that virtually all of the major diseases are on the rise in parallel with the use of Roundup on GMOs in the United States. So that's, you know, we, we surveyed 3,256 people who got better when they, from various conditions when they switched to non-GMO and largely organic, and thus avoiding eating Roundup and some other of these toxins. And 85% of them found improvements in digestive disorders and then fatigue and then weight problems and brain fog and, and anxiety and depression and food sensitivity and allergies. And I'm still above 50%. And then there was about 19 other conditions from infertility and autism down to Parkinson's and diabetes and skin conditions. It's just, it goes on and on. But these are not just random. We've actually looked at each one of these and linked it to epidemiological evidence, to plausible causative pathways, to animal feeding studies, to the impacts of changing diets, not only in humans, but in pets and livestock. And it's a consistent picture. 
So we say, go organic and take notes. So switch to organic, but create a little diary. What percentage of your food is organic that day? What's your energy level? Uh, what's your mood? And every single symptom that you have on a one to 10 basis, put it in a little spreadsheet. Next day, same thing, percentage organic. What happens is people will realize, and it'll be a shock, how much the diet is causing diseases. We think GMOs and Roundup are the primary. This is made clear in our film, Secret Ingredients, which is available at secretingredientsmovie.com, where people switched to an organic diet and in and infertile couples had kids, ch children are no longer on the spectrum, people lost their brain fog and skin conditions and, and dietary problems, all this stuff. Wow. So it's, it was, it's, it's a very convincing film. In fact, virtually everyone who sees Secret Ingredients changes their diet or commits to be more organic than ever before. So I think it's a, it's a dramatic change. And that also is something we want people to post on their social. The, certainly share secret ingredients with others, but post your own results when switching to organic so that other inspire others and save lives. Wow. I want to circle back around to something you said just a couple of minutes ago. And that's that glyphosate Roundup is sprayed on crops to kill them? Well, it, it's sprayed on them as a ripening agent, it, so it desiccates it. So it, it dries them out. So when you dry them out, then they don't get moldy when they're stored. They force the ripening of the grains. And so in short growing seasons, like in Canada, they'll use Roundup three to five days before harvest on wheat or maybe wow. oats also, so that it forces it. Because, you know, it's dying. Give all the energy to the kids. And so the seeds or the grain ends up uh, developing very quickly. At the same time, that same spray kills the weeds for next year, which is called staging. Um, oh. So there's a lot of benefits for the farmer and a disaster for the eater. Absolute disaster. There's more Roundup residues, glyphosate residues on oats than there is on Roundup ready soybeans because oats are sprayed just before harvest and it happens to go not only through the crop into the oats, but directly onto the oats, which are kind of available to the sprayer. Um, but also mung beans, you don't want to eat hummus unless it's organic because chickpeas are sprayed. It's really a disaster out there. Wow, I'm just sitting over here shaking my head. I didn't know a bunch of that. Yeah, you can go to responsibletechnology.org. There you can, you can access our glyphosate residue report. You see, the government doesn't test foods for glyphosate residues. They test all the other herbicides, but not Roundup because they're so close to Monsanto. Mm -hmm. but, but many organizations, including, including our Institute for Responsible Technology, have done tests. So what we did is we compiled everyone's tests into our report. It's a searchable list. It's a printable list. You can do it in alphabetical order. It has pure ingredients like actual fruits, vegetables, and grains, as well as finished products by brand. So that way, if you can't eat organic, you can at least avoid the categories of foods that you'll know from that list have high levels of Roundup sprayed on them and still in the food when it's eaten. You also want to avoid the GMOs. You can find the list of GMOs at responsibletechnology.org. So if you can't eat organic, at least avoid GMOs and the heavy glyphosate users. Yeah. Wow. All right. That's responsibletechnology.org. Tell us about Protect Nature Now. 
Well, the most recent GMOs are created from gene editing, where you don't necessarily have to use a gene gun to blast genes from different species into soy and corn. You can use a gene gun, for example, to blast a gene editor into a cell, and the gene editor has a scissors and a guide to try and tell where the scissors where to cut. But as we're clearly compiling evidence that it's very, very dangerous, it has at least as many potential uh, unpredictable outcomes as the traditional, and yet it's so cheap and easy, you can buy a do-it-yourself CRISPR gene editing kit on Amazon for $169 and create your own microorganisms. Now, with microbes in particular, that whole kingdom, which creates ecosystems called microbiomes, both inside us and throughout the environment, they're mission critical. Our guts, our own gut bacteria is responsible for our health in a big way. 80% of chronic conditions can find their roots in imbalances in the microbiome. You change the microbiome in soil, you can affect crop and ecosystem health, etc. Well, what we're doing at Protect Nature now is trying to stop the outdoor release of all GMO microbes because once you release them, they travel around the world, they mutate, they replicate. They also swap genes with other microbes and these newly introduced genetic elements could damage or even collapse ecosystems inside us and around us and you cannot recall them. It can be permanent or long-term damage and we could be destroying the nature of nature. So this is at a time now where we've just been through a pandemic, we're also seeking an end to what's called gain-of-function research where you enhance pathogens so that they could create pandemics if they escaped. They are doing this in order to study pandemic pathogens, but we think it's too dangerous, as do most reasonable and responsible scientists <laughs> and politicians. Right. So we're trying to stop gain-of-function research and all outdoor release of GMO microbes. You can go to protectnaturenow.com, watch my latest film. It's only 16 minutes. It's free online. Don't let the gene out of the bottle. And it describes how a nearly released microbe of several years ago could have theoretically ended terrestrial plant life. That means a cataclysm, destroying above-ground plants throughout the planet. Another one that was almost released could have theoretically altered weather patterns. When we talk about an a avian flu that if that had been released after being genetically engineered, it could have decimated the human population. These are real-world examples, and we have a real-world practical solution also at Protect Nature Now. Awesome. And if somebody wants to know more about everything you just talked about, you have a, uh, you have a podcast. Yes, at livehealthybewell.com. You can, you can link to some solutions there, our secret ingredients uh, movie, our 90-day lifestyle upgrade, healing from GMOs and Roundup, and my podcast, all at livehealthybewell.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Jeffrey. And thank you for allowing me to speak about the good news that we were all through our get, getting information out, out about. Um, we can pat ourselves on the back. Yes. For this first of many stages of removing Roundup from the marketplace. Amen to that. You yeah. can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash Roundup Wrap Up. And if you would like to hear more from Jeffrey, you can find him on our 590th podcast 
at urbanfarm.org forward slash protect nature now. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.